These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good undefeated Friday morning. Eagles fans, appreciate you getting up early and streaming in to Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys. Uh, Jody, running a little low on sleep. McDonald back here on in the Delaware Valley. John, running on even less sleep down there in Houston. <laughs> McMullen, going to get ready to get on a jet plane, but going to give us his take on last night's Birds win for our number one. Uh, first things first, scene setter, John. I heard Eagle fans last night, not as big a takeover as in some of the other cities that they played, but a bunch of people down there just in case they could go to a World Series, stick around, go to a World Series game. Rain kind of messed up the days, but a pretty good crowd there last night. What was the feeling in the stadium before it got underway? Um, Eagles crowd, Nick Sirianni talked about it uh, after the game a little bit. Uh, They took over again. Uh, no surprise, this city is very, very upset at the Houston Texans. You know, there was a lot of booze, late arriving crowd, number one. Um, 
but it 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 got filled up pretty nicely as as it got uh, into the first quarter. I, I I think there are a lot of Houston fans joining in with the booze. I can't prove that, but they're they're not happy with their with their football team, especially the pregame. I think they were happy with the way they came out. And I was going to say, they, they, yeah. I didn't think their effort was all that bad no. last night. This is this is more a pregame when they came out. It was all cheers for the Eagles and and, and all booze for the Texans. Now sparsely attended at that point, and then when it pulled up, I can tell you after the game, um, going down to the locker room. You get in this little area where the fans are for a second or two, and uh, um, later in the night, the the people that were still hanging around when the World Series game finally ended, it was like the Texans won the game. A, a jovial atmosphere down there. Obviously, it's a Houston uh, Astros town right now, but um, yeah, the Eagles fans took over as they're apt to do in these types of situations. And that's pretty impressive midweek, as Nick said. This is a little bit different. You know, midweek, 1,500 miles away um, against a bad opponent. Nice city, though, so maybe that factored into it as well. Uh, yeah, uh, from that standpoint, it was complete Eagles crowd. Philadelphia against Houston on two fronts. And for those of you who just stayed due to the Eagles on the TV – rather than go down to Citizens Bank Park and watch the Phillies offense come up small for the second consecutive day, a yeah, good call by you because the Eagles stay undefeated as they beat the Texans 29 to 17. Bunch of stuff I want to get into with you, John. First things first, uh, since we started at the beginning, we might as well just continue on. Nick Sirianni wins the coin toss, defers, doesn't quite work out when this one option offense, Damon Pierce running the football, go right down your field and stick it in the end zone against you. So the deferral didn't quite pan out the way it was supposed to, especially when you get that extra possession before half and your field goal kicker misses an extra field goal. So you don't get the benefit of the back-to-back -back possessions. But the fact that the Eagles, after the Texans went in and scored, went right back down the field themselves and scored. I shouldn't say right back down the field. It was actually a lengthy drive. Uh, you knew that you were okay, even though you'd given up the touchdown early, right? Yeah, I think that was the, the thought process uh, typically. Well, against anybody, the Eagles kind of feel comfortable. But but you're right, it wasn't uh, – and you saw right away. But first couple things, uh, Damian Pierce, he's better than I gave him credit for. I mean, I don't get to see uh, the Texans play that much, but he's got a lot of juice, man. He, he, can, he can play. Uh, and I forget, because I talked to T.J. Edwards and, and Kaiser White, one of them, I forget which one, said, uh, got to check my notes, compared them to Al Alvin Kamara, that type of uh, explosiveness. So he he's a really good player. And I know you gave me that over. I think the number was 77. I took yeah. the over on Damian Pierce. He had that by the second quarter. Um, he's a good player. And and then conversely, from the Eagles' standpoint, oh yeah, they're going to miss Jordan Davis, um, and and they miss Jordan Davis. I didn't think it would happen until Washington or maybe maybe even down the road, um, but they're going to miss Jordan Davis. And it, it, it came out first. 
it they came out in strictly four man fronts. So it started in the game planning, and they were like, "All right, we're not going to bother with the five man fronts." And then they were just getting gashed by by Pierce, and 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 they did shift and play a lot more five man fronts with really Marvin Wilson more than even Marlon Tui Pelotu. Um, and it got a little bit better uh, because at least they had the the extra gap build, but something to something to put an asterisk by because uh, that it's a position that they don't have a great backup for, and now they got to play the backup. And um, it, it you know they had a tougher game last night because of it, and you know part of it is probably the short week, and part of it is probably taking the Texans for granted a little bit, all the human nature stuff we talk about. But that's something, as we nitpick a perfect team, that's something to keep an eye on. Well, and I'll continue in that vein because, yeah, they missed Jordan Davis, no questions asked. Um, and if Big Marv is supposed to be the answer just up from the practice squad, I think that's a bit of a reach. But I'll tell you what, uh, what unnerved me a little bit, with certainly in that first drive and, and basically through the first half, when Pierce was going through him like a hot knife through butter, is something you and I have talked about before, tackling. Oh, yeah, the tackling Oh, man. They, I was going to get to that. Specifically yeah. in the defensive backfield, I Back think seven, yeah. Kaiser White had a couple of missed tackles, didn't make a play or two, but Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Maddox – Missed wide open tackles. Uh, You just can't have that against a good back. And Pierce is that good a back that he's going to make you pay. And we've kind of been talking about this for over a month now. Uh, This is not the best tackling team. When you're breaking down an 8-0 team, 8-0 Philadelphia Eagles. So you have to admit relatively that you're nitpicking. That's not a strength of this team tackling, John. It's a matter of fact, I think it's actually a weakness. It it is a it is a big weakness. It's a big weakness in the secondary. It's almost, you know, a choice. And and I think the Eagles have made the right one because, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson made another big play and he essentially changed the game with his interception. That was a great intercept, terrible throw, but you know, that's a very difficult interception uh for a safety to make. And he made it and he also got up and returned it twenty five yards at bang bang game's kind of over they hit aj brown for the touchdown and and james bradbury's not a good tackler but he made a big play again interception um darius slay's not a good tackler epps is okay but he's not he's not a great tackler um yeah they've made that choice and they got big play guys and they're making big plays and as long as they make big plays you can live with it um but they don't tackle well. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's changing, Jody. I, I don't think it's changing. And by the way, Avante Maddox, yeah, he had a bit. He got hurt late in the game. I don't think anybody noticed. He, he was covering a punt, and he was tremendous coverage, and he looked like he tweaked his hamstring. And he got right up, and he ran off the field, but he was limping really badly. They put the 10 up, and all of a sudden – they had to put Kayvon Wallace, and I think I was the only one in the building who noticed, maybe because people in Philadelphia weren't paying attention to the game. But even the people there, and they're like, why is Kayvon Wallace in there? Why is Kayvon Wallace in there? And it was because Avante Maddox left. They didn't have Josiah Scott. Um, so they couldn't just go nickel for nickel. And it was interesting to me 
they put Marcus Epps in the nickel, and they, they put Chauncey. Chauncey yeah, they put they kept Chauncey at safety with Kayvon Wallace. Boy, if 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 Abante, you know, has a two to four week um, hamstring, and Josiah is not out there, that's another one. So all of a sudden, you know, some of these injuries start start to pop up a little bit and. Um, Jordan Mailata, who's playing, but he's not, he not healthy. Um, and I don't know if the Eagles could have gotten a fourth-round pick for Jerry Hughes, but if it were Jerry Hughes versus Robert Quinn, I would have went Jerry Hughes 100 times out of 100. That guy can play. I don't care how old he is. Um, that guy is just one of those savvy pass rushers that gives people headaches, and he, he – he ate Jordan Mailata's lunch a couple times to the, to the point that they had to get Dallas Goddard over there to help. And that that's my last point. Dallas Goddard, man. Woo, what a player. I'm very happy. I put him number one on my top Eagles list. He is a phenomenal football player. He's always wide open. He blocks like he's an extra offensive lineman. It's unbelievable. You don't see that anymore. Um and Nick Sirianni did a great thing about Friday Night Lights, and he was talking about Dallas Carter High School, and they say they're big, they're fast, they're nasty, and then they go back to their fast. And that's what he said about Dallas Goddard. He's big, he's fast, he's nasty, and he's fast. He's just – nobody can deal with him. And if anything, the Eagles don't give him the football enough. And it was the big – he caught it, I think, four times on that final touchdown drive, and he got the touchdown. He's just wide open all the time, Jody. It is amazing. It, uh, he and Kelsey are the two guys who, despite the fact that both teams have very talented wide receivers, certainly the Eagles do, and uh, Kansas City does as well. How do you not – how do they get that wide open? You know the know. quarterback loves to throw to them. You know they're going to make the play if they get their hands on the ball. Yet they always seem to be – they have separation. I understand separation. When you got a guy flying down the field and the D-back even takes a quarter step and you've got a five-yard head start, I understand that separation. How you get it? How do you get separation coming off the off the line as a tight end? Yeah. And Goddard and Kelsey are always wide open and Mahomes and Hurts get them the ball and they make huge plays. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, with the Eagles, you know, I see them all the time. You do. You have to pick your poison and – you know, AJ's always wide open too. Um, part of it is these blown coverages. There's so much zone coverage, and obviously Lovey Smith is a zone coverage guy. And there's so many blown coverages, especially with young players. And there's so many young corners, and they have one with Jalen Peach, who's got, you know, seems like he's got talent, but I, it, 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 it seems more difficult to me. Um, and I'm not the coaches, but it seems those types of players, it's more difficult for them to play zone than man because man is, you know, point somebody out and go cover them. Um, zone is you got to pass people off and you got to communicate. You got to make, and all of a sudden you see these blown coverages and fans are going nuts and saying here it's Jonathan Gannon there. Obviously it's Lovey Smith and Houston here. Um, and fans go nuts and they say, how can so-and-so be wide open? 
communication. They're not doing the right thing. They're not supposed to be that wide open, but so that's a catch 22 for coaches. And one last thing before we punch up our first guest, our buddy Paul Domwich is going to join us in hour number one here before Johnny Max got to take off and get on a big old jet plane and come home. Um, looking at the Eagles just overall, uh, they got great coverage corners, playmaking corners, not the greatest tackling corners. Last night, Javon Hargrave stepping in without uh, a, a big piece of the defensive line being there uh, beside him was just tremendous, Made uh, got three sacks, and he was one of few who actually got stuffs at the line of scrimmage against David Pierce. They didn't get many of them, but when they did, it was more Javon Hargrave than anybody else. Hurts uh, had another very efficient game. Yeah, some of the guys were wide open, but you still got to deliver the football to him, and he did. But Johnny Mack's still the best team that this team does. Offense, defense, we won't even put special teams in the mix because we know they don't belong there. When they have to, they can run the football. They just put their five big boys in play, open up a hole. Miles was good getting to it last night, made a couple of really nice decisive cuts, which turned the uh, ball upfield, which gave him double-digit yard gains. At their core, what the Philadelphia Eagles at 8 no do better than anything else is, Run the football down the other team's throat. Yeah, and that's why I was a little bit disappointed with the game plan. They came out throwing it, and I'm like, why are you throwing it against this team? Going nuts now. Because well, they you know, were down 7-0 before they blinked because the coach defers under all conditions. Yeah, but uh, you don't have to panic at 7 nothing against the Houston Texans, even, even understanding that. I, I just – I mean, I, I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, maybe, you know, Jalen Hurts is back in Houston. Maybe they want to do something for him. It's very important, despite the fact that he plays it off a lot. It was very important to him. I mean, you you have an historically bad run defense, worst in the NFL. And you're right. That's what they do best, Jody, at the end of the day. And when they did run it, they ran it effectively. But oh, they didn't yeah. run it. They, now, at the same time, they threw it pretty effectively. But that first drive, and it was a long drive, it was the weirdest drive. It was one of their long drives. Um, 18 plays, 91 yards, 804. And they were playing tempo basically the whole drive. But they were they were getting bad plays on second down, a couple bad passes. I think it took Jalen Hurts a little bit to settle in. He was a little bit off target early. And then they convert on third down. They had three big third down conversions. Yep. Um, and ultimately, uh, they score. I think that was a fourth down play. I think that was the fourth down play. Ultimately, they score on the Miles Sanders run. Um, but they had three big conversions. One was the AJ. One was the Dallas guy. One was the Quez Watkins. They even got Quez Watkins involved early. Um Weirdest drive because it was like bad play, ugly play, third and long conversion, conversion, conversion. So they played great situationally, but I, I'm surprised they didn't come out just run the football on that team. They and they can't one, stop the run. One other note, and uh, we'll bring this up with Domin when we get him on. Uh, you got to give Nick Sirianni credit. I didn't agree with a couple of decisions that he made specifically on fourth down uh well actually i guess a pat isn't considered a fourth down 
the risk reward for going for two, even after the penalty, it just doesn't add up, but they convert and get the two points. So guess what? Sirianni's right. And then the final possession uh, going for it in your own end, you're potentially opening up the door. No, get the Sipas out there and punt. But he has so much faith in Jalen Hurts from one yard out that he says, we're just yeah, going to get this every time we go for it. Can I say this real quick? Look, Jalen is great. You know who's a big part of that fourth down and one? Dallas Goddard. That's him too. The NFL's got to change that rule. But until they do, the Eagles just put Dallas Goddard behind Jalen Hurts and he pushes him like a blocking slate. It, 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 it's it's unstoppable. And that's what they did on 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 the one. They had all the movement. Cam Jurgens was uh, um, eligible, and we're all looking. Is Cam Jurgens going to get a touchdown here? Uh, and they're just converting. And Dallas Goddard is behind him playing fullback, and he snaps the ball like it's Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush back in the day, and he just pushes them forward. Um, so – a lot of it is Jalen. Don't get me wrong. Jalen's phenomenal. But that's what I'm talking about, Dallas Goddard. He does everything well. And even in those sneaks, he he is so good at it. And Jalen is so good at it. The two of them is a combination. I believe, and I'm making this prediction, I have for a couple of weeks, the NFL is going to change that rule. Because everybody – and they're going to go back to – Years ago, you were not allowed to push people right. forward. You couldn't push from behind. It was a penalty, and they changed that rule. They're going to change it back because of the Eagles and their success. That's might my very, prediction. Might very well. And, oh, by the way, if you are Eagle streamers who think that the world is against Philadelphia when it comes to uh, umpires, referees, whatever, they got a good spot on that fourth down. I don't think Jalen ever actually got there. I think they gave him a good spot, and that, of course, ended the game. Now, I'm not saying that the Texans were going to score a quick touchdown, get a onside kick, and get another touchdown that the game was ever really in doubt, but they did get a good spot, and then they got to go in. Yeah, I can never tell. I thought just, they got a good spot in Detroit late, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's really difficult to judge from up there. Right. But what you yeah. saw, what you saw on TV was that it was, it was close. It wasn't a no-brainer, and the referee came in and immediately signaled for a pretty immediately signaled first down. I, I thought it was something that could have and maybe should have gone to review. But hey, take it. Eagles get the win. They walk off. Short week, traveling, you win by double. That's okay. You take it. You don't worry about it unless, of course, you bet the Eagles minus 13 and a half. Uh, but other than that, you take it and get to 8 and 0. All right. Jody McDonald and John McMullen, Jay Max going to hang with us for hour number one before he's got to get out of there, catch a plane. We're going to fly over to Martha, New Jersey. Uh, I could walk. Uh, but we are going to bring in one of our boys, uh, Eagles beat writer and contributor on jacobsports.com. Paul Donwich joins us next here on Birds 365. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pondley Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pondley Hockey Post Game Show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pondley Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Welcome to Pondley Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime 
until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. And Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Thursday night, go to 8-0 with a uh, win down in Houston against a not-great Texans team who, who showed some grit, showed some toughness, but the Eagles did what they were supposed to do, go down and win, come home, and get ready for the second half of the schedule. Oh, that's right. There's not a second half of the schedule because we play 17 games. I'd love to say it 8-0. We got it. We're halfway home. No, uh, almost halfway home. Uh, we're not even close to being halfway home here on the Birds 365. We got to get Paul Domwich involved and get his take from last night's win and the Eagles' 8-0 start. Domo, best start in Eagles history. 8-0, never done it before. Is this the best team in Eagles history? Uh, to be determined. Uh, Good know, answer. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Domo... You, you've seen a lot of those great teams. I haven't been around the Eagles nearly as long as you have, but I will say this. This is the most talented Eagles team. I think it's more talented uh, than the Super Bowl 52 team. I'll go that far. I think on, 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 I think they have more difference making players. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the great thing in the, and the, the, Frustrating thing about football, if you're a fan, is, you know, there are so many uh, factors that are going to decide things down the stretch. I mean, I, I'm 
I've talked to Dick Vermeil. He thought his 81 team was was much better than the team that went to the Super Bowl in 80. Yeah. They, they started 6-0, and you know, finished 10-6 and and ended up losing in the wild card game. Um, you know, sometimes you peak too soon. I don't think that's going to be a problem with this team. I mean, uh, the only thing that concerned me yesterday uh, was their run defense. Uh, and I think that's something you're going to see teams try to exploit going forward. But, uh, you know, the, 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 especially with, with Jordan Davis out for a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, bigger problem, Jordan Davis being out or the tackling of the secondary? Because I think they're – it's a give and take with the secondary because you have so many playmakers. Chauncey makes another big play, it essentially turns the game, um, gives the Eagles a short field they go in. Um, that was it pretty much at that point. Um, but they don't tack. Chauncey doesn't tackle well. James Bradbury, not a great tackler. Darius Slay, not a great tackler. Marcus Epps, he's okay, but he's not great. Um Jordan Davis, I think, was evident to everybody, his difference, more four-man fronts. When they did finally go back to five-man, it was Marvin Wilson uh, for the most part. You know, he's elevated from the practice squad. He's obviously not Jordan Davis. That's not his fault. What do you think is the bigger issue there? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the tackling by the secondary can be uh... – can be dealt with by uh, by the coach sitting them down, by Jonathan Gannon sitting them down and saying, "Hey, you know, we're getting a little bit carried away with the takeover situation here. Uh, let's 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 get the guy on uh, on. Uh, let's wrap before we uh, worry about stripping the ball because I think that's one of their bigger problems. Avante Maddox doesn't bother tackling anymore. He just he just goes yeah. for the arm. He just wants to take. He just wants the turnover." Uh, so they need to, you know, they, they just need to emphasize better tackling. I, I think they're capable of it. Uh, they, they just didn't do a very good job of it yesterday. And they were up against a running back who's probably next to Nick Chubb, uh, the best yards after contact runner in the NFL. So He's good. I didn't realize how good he was, Tom. He yeah, yeah, he, he sure is. I think he – I know he's already been nominated. He might have won a scepter from uh, Andrew Brandt on uh, Angry Runs on the NFL Network on uh, Tuesday mornings. Yeah, the guy just puts his head down and uh, carries tacklers with him. So, yeah, very good young back. Um, I want to talk uh, a little bit more about the offense, Damo. I said this to John in the first segment. At their core, the Philadelphia Eagles are still a run-first offense. As good a year as Jalen's having – John was just singing the praises, and rightfully so, of Dallas Goddard in the game he had last night. We know A.J. Brown has been an unbelievable addition. When they want it, when they need it, they put the big hogs up front to work, and Miles Sanders just carries the mail. Um, they did that again last night in the second half when they were looking to put the game away. Um, this is still, for me, as good a running team as there is in the National Football League. Um, do you think that maybe last night they came in a little over aggressive with the pass and that that uh, might be one of the reasons why the game was as close as it was in the half. Well, maybe a little bit, but I think part of it was Houston was better is better at defending the pass than the run. Uh, They only had given up five touchdown passes going into that game. Uh, I think they felt that if they, I think they thought they'd catch him off guard. Let's attack them with the pass early and then go to the run. Uh, and that's kind of what they did. Uh, and I was really impressed by the r- running game. And uh, every week I'm getting more and more impressed with it. 
not, not only because of the offensive line, but Jalen is doing such a good job on those read options. Uh, you know, I mean, you saw that yesterday, some of the holes that were, you know, I mean, he was waiting for them to commit. And then suddenly Miles Sanders had a gaping hole to go through. And another thing that impressed me yesterday about the run game was, was Miles. I mean, he is starting to run with a little bit more physicality and decisiveness. Uh, he's not looking to bounce everything outside uh, the last couple of weeks, which is what he needs to do. I mean, he was, he was putting his head down and, uh, and getting yards yesterday. And, I, you know, you like to see that. Do you sometimes outthink yourself? Because I, I'm. This is an historically, and I'm talking about Houston, bad run defense. I mean, they are just all yeah. defending the run. Yeah. Do you, Do you think the Eagles coaching staff kind of outthought themselves by thinking maybe we'll surprise them? Sometimes yeah. you don't have to surprise a bad team. You just, hey, you can't do this. We can, and they do it all the time in the fourth quarter when they just yeah. say, all right, we got to run the football. And they run the football on better teams. I thought the Eagles kind of made a mistake by going, and that was such a weird drive, Domo. Yeah. 18 plays, 91 yards, the Eagles' first scoring drive. <clears throat> it took eight minutes, and they were playing tempo the whole time. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think they're getting bored, the coaching staff is, and they're they're doing they're doing things they might not be doing right now if they were, uh, you know, if they were five and three, <laughs> including what they did yesterday. I mean, you're right. It was obvious yesterday. Just attack the hell out of them with the run because they couldn't stop it. And, and yet we saw, I mean, eventually it was a close to a 50, 50 mix. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, I think sometimes they're just, they have, when, when you're this successful, you think you can kind of like get imaginative, take some chances like the, the the crazy fourth down decision in the fourth late in the fourth quarter when he goes for it in his own territory with a you know with a two score lead. Um, yeah. yeah, that was Brandy Brandon Staley-ish. Um But it, yeah. you know, at, at that point, it, it it works. You're right; they're getting a little bit haughty, but maybe they should get a little bit haughty. They're they're a really really good team. Yeah. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I'm starting to worry about the injuries. All of a sudden, and I mentioned to Jody, I don't think a lot of people noticed. Aponte Maddox left late in that game. He tweaked his hamstring on punt coverage, and he and he and he limped off really quickly, sort of a jog. But you could see he was dealing with something, and they put right. the blue tent up immediately, and he got in there. And all of a sudden, Kayvon Wallace is in the game. And I think a lot of people didn't realize. They're like, why is Kayvon Wallace in the game? And it was Kayvon. They put Marcus Epps in the nickel. They didn't have Josiah Scott because he's hurt. They didn't put Chauncey in the nickel. They put Marcus Epps in the nickel. And it was Chauncey and Kayvon Wallace at safety. We talked about Jordan Davis. Jordan Mailata is playing, but he's not himself. And Jerry Hughes really really gave him fits and that's the guy by the way if they could have gotten him i told they should have gave a fourth round pick for jerry hughes that guy can still play um all of a sudden some of these injuries are popping up and saying oof, oof, oof. that could be as you talked about the attrition yeah you might have the best team but you not you might not win because somebody key might not be there on that game day yeah, I remember one year that Belichick won the Super Bowl. Um, 
you know, about this time of the year, I mean, he was decimated. His team had so many injuries, but it turned out he had them early enough that everybody healed and was in great shape for the playoffs and they stormed yeah. through, the, through the playoffs. And so, you know, everything's timing. You know, you didn't mention Fletcher Cox, uh, which is another one. Uh, there's clearly something wrong with his leg. Uh, that he, I mean, he heard it yesterday early and was not the same player. I mean, he just yeah. – I mean, he's not the same player anyway, but this this only exacerbated things. Uh, hurt them, again, you know, against the run and against the pass, although they, they were getting plenty of pressure late in the game. But I, you know, I don't know if it's serious. I don't know if it's something he could shake off. But he can't – they need him at a level better than he played yesterday, especially – with Jordan Davis out. All right, beginning of the game and the end of the game, here's the one thing I didn't mind about that first drive. But, yeah, they went a little pass heavy when we thought they were going to come out and run. Jalen Hurts did a great ball, job of spreading the ball around. Quez got a oh, catch. Yeah. Goddard got a catch. A.J. got a catch. Devontae got a catch. Uh, Kenny Gainwell out of the backfield got a catch. So he did. He got everybody involved early, which I think is always a uh, really right. smart game plan. And then end of the game. I've already been taken to task by some of our streamers. Yo, old man, you couldn't see it. I thought Jalen came up short on that fourth down play. They, they, they look like they're trying to draw him off. And then they call a timeout. Then they come out and look like they're trying to draw him offside again. And they run it. And he the, the referee gives it to him. I thought he was a good half yard short. And they got a good mark on the play. I was surprised they didn't at least go to the booth on that one. Damo, am I just an old man, a cloudy old man, get off my porch kind of guy? Or uh, did they get a uh, nice call by the referee there? I think they got a nice call. I mean, I didn't think so. I, I thought everything was fine until I saw the overhead shot. The overhead shot seemed to be a little bit clear that, that he maybe didn't make it. But, you know, it's really tough to overturn those calls. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, because you're in the middle of a scrum and uh, you don't know where the arms are. You can't see the ball if you can see the head. And, uh so it doesn't surprise me that they gave it to him, but and 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 John, you mentioned earlier that you know the help he's getting on those quarterback sneaks is, you know, I mean, uh, with Dallas Goddard pushing Dallas him, man, it's unbelievable. It, they're going to change that rule. I'm telling you, they're going to change it back. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's of funny. The success. It's funny. This thing, you know, this thing was legalized in 2006, yeah. and only very few teams have used it. It's yeah. like Nick one day said, "Hey, why don't we do this? Nobody else is." You yeah. know, I mean, they they go in motion with three different people, and then Dallas ends up like about five inches uh, up uh, Jalen's back and, uh, and pushes <laughs> him right through. It, it, you know, the one that I thought might have been illegal yesterday was the because you know, you're not allowed to pull. Chase uh, Kelsey, you know, Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey had yeah, he was it, pulled him. Was it Miles? Yeah. He had him by the head. And was, yeah. <laughs> Was pulling yeah, them into the end. You're, you're, they never call it though, but you're no, not supposed no. to be able to pull people forward. Right. Um, yeah. And it was pretty obvious he did. So they got away with one there. But yeah, yeah Dallas man, woof, that guy. You should I, have an assist, new category assists assists on runs. Yeah, I I mean the the sneak stuff. Obviously, he's a great receiver. He's always open. I don't know how, but he's always open. Um. And then Jordan starts having problems uh, with Jerry Hughes, and they just put him on their that sign. That's over. It's quieted down. No. Um, yeah, this it, is like old school stuff we don't see anymore. As good as Travis Kelsey is, and um, uh, 
Kyle Pitts, everybody loves him as a Philly kid, tremendous receiver. Yeah. Those guys can't block. They can't block a lick. Now, George Kittle can. Um, I'll, I'll give him credit. He's very good at it mm-hmm. as well. But Dallas Goddard, besides George Kittle, I'll put him aside. It's sort of like Aaron Donald at tight end. I'll put him aside. He's the most well-rounded tight end uh, number two behind George Kittle. Is that fair to say? I absolutely, uh, and, you know, and it, and John, you and I both and know this. I mean, it's, it's ironic. They had no clue what they were getting when they drafted. Oh, they had no clue. I mean, he, no he came clue. from red offense, pass happy. They didn't know he could block. I mean, I don't even know if Dallas knew he could block, no. but uh, yeah, I mean, he's turned out to be one of the, you know, the best complete tight ends in the game. Uh, and, and what they've also realized is this guy's a phenomenal screen player. I mean, they ran oh, six yeah. screens yesterday, two more to him. He has such vision when he gets that ball, when they dump it off to him. I mean, he just – I mean, it's not only the, the people that are blocking for him, but his sense of, of where to go uh, is just great. I mean, you're right. He's, he's, he's terrific. And another thing that Dallas does well, and so does the quarterback, they know where the sticks are. And they make their moves accordingly. Yeah, yeah, every once in a while you'd rather see them take the outside route and go for a big play. If it's third, they're going to get the first down. Get the first down, know where the sticks are, and take your chances on first and second down completion. But on third down, both the quarterback and the tight end, they know where the sticks are. You know they're going to get that third down conversion. Yeah. You know, I've always wondered why some offensive players always know where the sticks are, yet they can't see the damn play clock. (laughs) <laughs> you know, getting ready to snap the ball right in front of them. You know, and it runs off. Oh, okay. Yeah, and going back to the Pittsburgh game, Damo, everybody said, wow, shot play to Zach Pascal. That was all about Dallas Goddard. They ran that tight end screen, and Zach Pascal was out there blocking for Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Uh, so Shane Steichen uh, sat on it for about 30 plays or whatever, went back to it, and – I think it was Terrell Edmonds. He's, he's up. I saw this. Zach Pascal's out there. He's blocking for Dallas Goddard. He jumps to get Dallas Goddard, and all of a sudden, Zach Pascal's just waltzing down the sidelines by himself like a nice Sunday walk. Um, <laughs> that's all Dallas Goddard because people are so worried about him. Um, yeah. A little bit of A.J. Brown kind of uh, impact on the team. Boy, my, I say as opposing defensive coordinator, I've asked a bunch of people, so I'll I'll tell you, I'll ask you to put on your DC hat, Damo. If if you were game planning against the Eagles, what do you what do you try to stop? What are you trying to take away? Where do you start? Good question. I mean, I guess you've got to start with AJ Brown. Uh, you know, you've got to. They can run, they can pass, they can, you know, he can throw to anybody. He's got trust in all of those receivers. They can go deep when, you know, depending on what the coverage is. You know, yesterday they pl- they played a lot of cover two and they just ripped the hell out of that. Um, and when they didn't play it, uh, you know, they had another plan. You know, right now they're as tough an offense to stop as there is in the league uh, with the possible exception and probable exception probably of uh, Kansas City. My Eagles coming relatively off the bye, Pittsburgh last week, and then a short week into uh, Houston. But now they got 11 days off again because they don't yeah. play till Monday night. Too much downtime for the Eagles? Is this a good? How do we spin this as good for the Eagles rather than 
you know, they should uh, be out there logging game, getting time, honing things. Still got a whole second half to go. Uh, the, the the schedule do them a disfavor here, Damo. Well, when you when you look at the schedule, you probably wouldn't say that just based on the. I mean, I think John wrote that it actually is the twelfth toughest, been the twelfth toughest schedule in the league, uh, as opposed to what it looked like going in. But um, it's still it's a, it's a, it's been a winnable schedule for them, and you'd like to have you would have liked to have the buy a little later. You would have liked to have this. Thursday night game spread out a little bit so that, you know, when you get tired again, you got, you've got the, you know, the equivalent of what the Cowboys always used to get with Thanksgiving. Um, but, you know, I mean, there, there are worse things to have right now. I mean, it, it helps people this close together guys that had injuries going into the, you know, into the buy gives them a little bit more time now uh, if they didn't aggravate it to, to get better. It gives Jordan Davis time to get, you know, a little better. He's not going to be ready when the, when this is when they play yeah. again, but so I mean, it's not awful. It's not ideal. That might help Avante Maddox the extra days. We'll we'll see how that Nick's yeah. not going to tell us. I mean, Nick tells us, you know, three hours. Oh, Jordan David, we're still thinking. Then he's on injured reserve three hours later. That kind of stuff frustrates me. But yeah. um, well, I've looked. You know, I've looked on uh, Thursday. Get teams that play on Thursday, their coaches will not say a word about an injury until Wednesday. I mean, yeah, because, you know, so in fact, that, I don't even know if is Nick available on Monday this week uh, after uh, when's the next time? I don't know. Talk? He's showing today early when everybody's today he's going to say too soon or I didn't talk to the trainer. Yet. Oh, yeah. oh, he's going in the morning today. So he's going to say I didn't I haven't even talked to the trainers. I can tell you I have no idea. Probably doesn't exactly. know Abante's off the field yet. I have no idea. <laughs> Speaking of coming back from injuries, and if I'm being overly critical here, feel free to call me on the carpet, guys. Uh, we all know Jordan Mailata and John's suggestion. You don't think he's quite 100% right now. He got beat a couple of times pretty bad by the veteran Jerry Hughes. Lane Johnson didn't have the best pass blocking game uh, himself either. He got just completely uh, run over on, on one pass play. And oh, by the way, did he not get a jump start on like three or four different plays? Uh, and they never threw play. the flag on him once? That's One of them play. was so blatant, I couldn't believe it. You, you, he got like two steps in before the ball would snap, and they just let him go on with the play. I don't know that Lane's completely back from his concussion either. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I can't speak for Damo, but those three ball stars, you could call those every game online. <laughs> There's a little reputation thing involved there. Okay. Yeah. You get you know, Jordan and Lane Johnson. All right. I believe that. Lane Todd Jordan, that big step. Well, I think they both got it from Jason Peters, that 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 huge yeah. step yeah. to take off the snap, which step, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, you know, it looks like they, they took false starts when they didn't. It, yesterday, it was pretty clear that – it should have been yeah. called and wasn't. Got away with a couple. Um, yeah. yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, was Damo, kind of surprised. You'll, re, you'll remember this name. You remember Tim Irwin, uh, the, yeah. the longtime Vikings right tackle? Yep. Uh, and then he became an, an agent uh, for for a lot of high-profile players. But yep. um, he he played for like 18 years. I don't know, an insane amount of time. And I, he, he was sort of in the Reggie White uh, wheelhouse for the Packers. And he did the best job on Reggie White, I think, of anyone. 
Um, and, and a lot of it was because of reputation. He had been so round. He, he would hold, he would grab, he would do it, and they would let him get away with it. And then the, he finally had to retire, and the Vikings drafted Corey Stringer, who's phenomenal talent, obviously sad situation um, when he passed away. But and but he was a rookie in the first year and the second, and he didn't pay deference to him. So he was way yeah. more talented. But the Vikings were a worse team just because of the reputation of Tim Irwin, and they let him get away with stuff. I think Lane's got that reputation where – he gets away with some stuff. And that little tick, he gets started a little bit early, and he's allowed to because of his reputation. That's my thought process. You think that's you know, a thing? Was, yeah, no, he does. I mean, I think that happens all over the league. Uh, guys with, uh, that have been around and, and are respected and have reputations get a benefit of the doubt from, you know, from the officials. Um you know, what concerned me yesterday, I mean, you know, Lane's going to give up a, a few hurries or sack, uh, every now and then a sack. He's going to give up sacks. Mostly like Lynn, but, yeah. I mean, when he when Jerry Hughes beat him with that inside move yesterday, I'm like, wait a minute, he doesn't, you know, how could he do that against Lane? I mean, Lane doesn't get pulled that easily. But what concerned me more was on the other side. You had mentioned it, Jody. I mean, Jordan was – Jordan looked like a guy who had read too many of his press clippings. He's, he was getting lazy. Right. He thought he could just push the guy down the field and uh, give uh, 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 Jalen enough time to throw. I mean, you got to stay with him. I mean, one of the things Jordan's got besides an immense body and strength is athleticism with those feet. Yeah. He wasn't moving. He wasn't moving them yesterday. He didn't. And uh, use, as John said, uh, look like the guy the Eagles should have been looking to get their hands on because he was uh, uh, all over the field, both left yeah. side and the right side last night. All right, yeah. Domo, quick peek ahead. Although it's 11 days, we got to wait now until they play again. You got the commanders coming up. The Tyler Heineke led commanders rather than the Carson Wentz led commanders. I'm going to take the over on the eight points that Washington scored the first time these two teams played how big a difference does Heineke make in the rematch I think they're a better team with them uh but I don't think you know I still think the Eagles will you know be nine and oh when it's over uh and win comfortably I mean I you know Washington now Chase Young they started his practice window I, yeah. I would think now they play I believe they played Minnesota this week at home uh mm -hmm. Washington so that's a big test for him um, yeah. I don't know if they're going to get Chase Young up to speed to play this week, but it seems to me they started this practice window to get him ready for the Eagles. Um, yeah. That would be my thought process. Um, they got a really good front. I, I think him – I think you're right. I think they're better with Taylor Heineke than Carson Wentz. But I think the bigger impact might be adding uh, Chase Young back to that defensive line because the Eagles had problems with um, – Nobody noticed, but Jonathan Allen gave the fits uh, uh, in that in that mm -hmm. first game. Um, I, he, a little more concerned now that Chase Young will probably be in the mix. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, I mean, we've kept we you know everybody's talked about this offensive line this season, and it's um, you know it's one of the best in the league. But it, I don't think it's played its best football yet. And there's been breakdowns every week. By you know, by mostly everybody at, at one point or another, but not not enough to be you know where it's cost them games or, or you've even noticed sometimes. But I mean, you know, they need to be more consistent as a group. 
so anytime, uh, you know, that, you know, I mean, putting Chase Young back on that line, I mean, they, they had, you know, they've got a very good defensive line. I think you'll also see Washington run more against them, especially after watching what uh, Damian Pierce did. Um, you know, Heineke. Also, one of the, one of the things that that, a little, that was a problem a little bit yesterday was they let, um, you know, they let Davis Mills get outside a few times uh, because they just weren't being disciplined in their pass rush. They need to improve on on that and, and keep Heineke in the pocket because he can move. He, you know, he's got mobility. He, he he won't stand there like a statue like Carson will and let you hit him and sack him. So. Yeah, but Chase Young is definitely going to make them a more dangerous team if he can play. Yeah, but do we even know what Chase Young is right now? We got no idea. He didn't exactly finish strong last year. We know he's great at Ohio State. We know he was great early in his rookie season. Last year he had a pedestrian year and he was hurt last year too. So we don't know what Chase Young's going to show up, if Chase Young's going to show up 11 days from now. Yeah. and You you know, you get to a point like this where they're – I mean, when you're – you know, playing like they are, there's going to be a, you know, and it looked like it was yesterday where they just didn't, they weren't, there's, they weren't playing as well as they can. And you wonder, you know, there's going to be a game here where they just, they, they throw a dud and they're going to lose. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a 17 and 0 team. Uh, I don't think anybody. Getting closer. <laughs> yeah, Getting closer. They are. I mean, I, I probably Larry Zonka starting to sweat a little bit, but yeah. Uh, you know, I, I it could be against Washington. I doubt it, but, uh, you know, somebody's going to, you know, they're going to go out there and it's just not going to be their Sunday. Uh, but I yeah, don't think well, one of the reasons you, you, because you, you brought up Jordan and, and I'll let you go after this one at, at P Damo on Twitter, read, uh, Damo to 3013.com. Also jacobsports.com. The stats package is going to be up after the game instead of before the game because of the early week. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Jordan's not healthy. I mean, that that shoulder injury, and I see him a couple times a week. I mean, he's dealing with some pain, and they thought that that might be a season ender. He doesn't have mobility. You would think, all right, you're worried about his feet, but that that shoulder affects everything. I don't think he's the same guy because of that injury. Um, and and all of a sudden, if you have better players, Jerry Hughes is very savvy. I, yeah. I don't think. Uh, Chase Young is at that point of his career, but you know him coming in with Jordan Lotta, Jordan by Lotta being less than what he typically is. I think people have to start thinking about that because I don't think Jordan's going to be healthy the rest of this season. Yeah, yeah. You know, my problem with that though is if it's your shoulder, your feet should be you should be compensating, and he didn't yesterday. Uh, so I don't know, uh, but you know, fortunately, the good news is. This is as deep an offensive line as there is in the league. So if you're going to have a key injury like that, you know, who else has Andre Dillard eventually being able to play, or even Jerry Driscoll, John Driscoll, who's uh, when he when he started the last time, you know, I mean, he was up against Micah Parsons, uh, so that was that was tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, they have people that can that can that can fill in. Yeah, that's where I was going to ask you, Dumbo, before we let you run. I know it's not done in the National Football League. The offensive line plays every single snap if they're physically capable of. Meanwhile, they're rotating defensive linemen in on mm-hmm. every single play. Should Dillard just get some run 
to get my lot off his feet, to give him a little bit of a break. I'm not saying about replacing him, but I'm just saying throw him in there on a couple of plays. I know it's uh, outside the box thinking and nobody does it, but why not uh, give him a, a playoff or two here or there if John is right and he's not 100%. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how they handle him now that the trade deadline's gone uh, and come and gone. Because I thought one of the reasons maybe you know they didn't want him out there was they didn't want to risk any chance of him getting hurt in case somebody needed a left tackle and offered them a you know a first or a second or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I don't yeah. think that by the way, Tomo, they they made Sua Opeta inactive yesterday for the first time, and we were all debating who who would be the left guard. If 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 Landon, because Landon's been in and out because he's dealing right. with with a uh, foot and an ankle injury, um, who would be that guy? Would it be Driscoll? Driscoll has to be everyone. right. Well, Dillard played two snaps at left guard. I think a lot of people didn't notice at, at, at the end Last of the week Pittsburgh against game. Pittsburgh. Yeah, so maybe maybe they're starting mm-hmm. to think about. Andre Dillard potentially playing left guard as well as a backup. Well, they've got to figure out some plan for him because, you know, they, they haven't traded him. I mean, they could have traded him for less than maybe they thought he was worth, but because they thought maybe, okay, there's no place for him. You don't know, is Lane Johnson going to play another three, four years here? If he is, uh, you know, and you got Jordan on the other side, where does, you know, where does, where does Dillard fit in? So, you know, it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me that, They'd be more open right now to thinking about him as a guard and and playing him there than uh, than you know any, than getting rid of him. I know I'm pushing it, but I forgot to tell you guys. Did you guys see the viral video of Howie in Houston? A fan had the picture uh, of of you're forgiven uh, something about AJ Brown, and he went up to him and he he read him the riot act. It was f bomb f bomb. I got you your effing first Super Bowl f you. Howie Roseman's feeling himself too. Yeah, and, uh, he, he didn't didn't need to go as often as he did, but he's well within his rights to uh, point to what he has accomplished. Because yeah, this team is eight zero because of a lot of the moves that Howie Roseman made during this offseason. Yeah. Dama, we'll let you run. Always a pleasure, buddy. We will certainly be tapping into you within a couple of weeks. Hopefully, by the next time we get you on, three or four weeks from now, we're still talking about an undefeated team. Could be. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks, Thanks for That's Paul Domwich from the 33rd team and uh, also contributes right here on the our website, jacobsports.com. All right, Johnny Mac, what time's your flight? Um, uh, 10 boards at 10.15. Leaves okay. at uh, you got a solid couple hours to get to the airport. Yeah. Do just that. Have a safe flight home. I will see you here on Birds 365 in the morning. Uh, no, tomorrow is tomorrow, Friday. What day are we? I don't even know. Tomorrow, oh, shoot, today's Saturday. Friday. What the hell yeah. am I thinking? Yeah, today's so Friday. Be, yeah, I am. I'm am so well. I'm with it. you, man. I don't know what day it is, so I gotta think but, about it. You, well, you had me. I said, No, I'm not gonna be here. Yeah. I, I know this. I got another hour to do. You don't get on the plane, <laughs> get home safe, my friend. Thanks for jumping in today. All right, thanks, Jody. Johnny Mac will be back on Monday. Yes, today's a Friday, you idiot, McDonald. Football Friday, but it doesn't seem like a Friday because Eagles just played. The Eagles just won. I thought it was Monday going into Tuesday. No, it's Friday going into Saturday. And Johnny Mac will be off. I'll be off for the weekend, but we'll all be back here on Monday. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes when we return. 
Tone's going to jump in to Johnny Mac's spot. We got a guest going to join us in about 20 minutes. I'll give you details on that. But uh, one more hour, a victorious Birds Friday, football Friday here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pond Lee Hockey postgame show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pond Lee Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Now in number two on a defeated football Friday here on Birds 365 because that's exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated. Got the week off early on a Thursday night down in Houston, beat the Texans. 
Uh, convincingly, I can't say handily because they would have come <laughs> 13 and a half, but convincingly enough and were able to put the game away in the second half when they needed to. Tone's jumping in for Johnny Mac here in the uh, hour number two. Our buddy BLG, Brendan Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, can jump in in about uh, 20 minutes from now. Um, you were up uh, doing a whole bunch of Jacob work last night, Polka, everything else uh, while watching the game, Tone. What was the thing that impressed you the most about the Eagles win? What was the one thing you said, yeah, but they won? Yeah, but need to clean this up, need to be better than, than this in that particular area. And or, yeah, that's a concern with this team, even though they're 8 no. Well, you know, let's start with the bad, right? Because sometimes in order to rebuild, you have to destroy. So let's start with the bad first. I'm really concerned about this run defense. I, I understand that it was a short week. It was a quick turnaround. These guys had a long, uh, a long travel. I totally understand that. But when you think about what Jordan Davis brings to the table, and I understand he's a rookie, he's still, you know, getting his feet wet. He only plays about maybe 30 to 40% of the snaps, if that. You can't ignore what his presence just brings. He takes up space. He takes up blockers. And he just creates lanes for guys. And he's not really a statue stuffer. But what he provides is something that you can't really quantify. And I'm really concerned in the long term when it comes to this run defense because, let's be honest, they have a stretch of games coming up where they're going to be going up against some of the top-tier running backs in the NFL, Jody. Let's think about this. You're going to have Jonathan Taylor coming up. You have Antonio Gibson coming up you have um saquon barkley coming up you have aaron jones coming up you have derrick henry coming up those are some hard-nosed runners and if john the can't get this defense sorted out from a run defense perspective they're going to really have some problems now what i liked what i loved i loved jalen hurts's efficiency i also love how hard of a runner Miles Sanders is becoming. He's becoming becoming significantly more decisive. He's not wasting any time in the backfield. He's being patient. He's letting his offensive line work for him, and he's just taking care of business. And, and again, Jalen Hurst is just wheeling and dealing, being so efficient, completed 78% of his passes last night. And, again, again, he started off a little shaky. I know John mentioned this earlier. He started off a little a little shaky. You know, that first drive was a little herky-jerky. You know, it was, it was a really long drive, very, very strange if you ask me. Um, the drive took about eight or nine minutes. It was just really weird. Um, the Texans made him work for it. But Jalen Hurts completed 78% of his passes, averaged nine yards in attempt, two touchdowns. What more can you ask for from a guy entering his third year as a pro, his second full year as a starter, making significant strides? I believe right now he's completing 68% of his passes on the season or something like that. So, or maybe 69. I don't know. After this game, it could, it could vary, but. Jalen Hurts is just doing great things right now and working with an offense. And I can't wait to see where his game goes because eventually he's going to be asked to elevate guys, especially once that contract comes through. And, oh, by the way, um, I didn't have a problem with the first drive. John, did you just uh, – I love the fact that he spread the ball around and got it to Kenny Gainwell and one to Devontae and one to AJ and a bunch to Goddard. Uh, I thought he did a really good job of spreading the ball around and getting everybody a feel. If you think you're better than the other team, which they surely be- should have believed that about the Texans, even though they let the Texans go down, right down the field against them on the opening possession and they were actually playing from behind, they had confidence that they were going to be able to do what they had to do over the course of the game. 
and he did spread the ball around, and that uh, is Steichen's play calling, but also Jalen delivering and making the plays. If it takes him longer than it usually does, more plays than it usually does, they did get backed up right off the start, so they had to go really long field. I'm okay with however many plays or how long it took, as long as they get it into the end zone, which they did, and the fact that they spread it around, I thought was actually a plus. Yeah, and Jerry, your other can I ask point you a about, question really quick? Yeah. Really quickly, do you think they came out, and I don't mean to interrupt, but do you think they came out too, with too much of a pass happy mentality? Nah, if you end up in the end zone, uh, how do you I'll, – I'll, I'll falter back to what was the result? Oh, they got a touchdown. Went down the field, got a touchdown. Okay, well, then I'm not going to second-guess it when you, when you do end up getting the game even. The second guess I have is nothing new here. Automatic defer. Yeah, we win the coin flip kick. We're not taking the ball. We got to have the ball to start the second half. You know you have a better offense than them. You know they can't stop the run a little bit. Now you chose to go more pass heavy in the first drive, which it worked, and you got a touchdown. But why the hell do you have to? Why can't you say, yeah, we'll take the ball? We're going to beat their defense. We know our offense is going to go down and give us a touchdown. So who the hell cares about, ooh, we could get that. And sure enough, they got that last possession with 30-something seconds, got into field goal range, and Elliott misses. So it's that, that <laughs> that's if I'm going to do any second-guessing, I'm going to second-guess the whole, we automatically have to defer, which Sirianni does. And, oh, by the way, not alone, more NFL coaches do that than not. He is not a – a maverick or a lone wolf on that one. All NFL coaches uh, win the coin flip to fire. Let's take the ball in the second half. I think it should be an individual division uh, decision on every single game. And my decision against that Texans defense would have been, yeah, give me the off, give, give, give my offense the ball first so we can go down and establish it. Uh, and the other point that you made that I uh, absolutely agree with you on is Miles Sanders, sixth rushing touchdown of the season last night which means he's got six more than he had all last year because he took the <laughs> goose egg last year on rushing touchdowns. So Miles Sanders kind of flying under the radar because we're all talking about Jalen Hurts, which we should. He comes from a second half of the league type quarterback to a top five quarterback for the first eight games. That's a massive improvement. But oh, by the way, Miles Sanders is playing better this year than he did last year, specifically in the red zone. Let's not uh, miss out on giving Miles his props because he was a key to them winning the game last night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Miles Sanders right now on the season is averaging five yards a carry on 131 attempts and uh, 656 yards total on the season. Right now, I believe he's on pace for about 1,200, 1,300 rushing yards. And that's something that you love to see from Miles because you think about the way his uh, the way his career has gone. His rookie year, he was fairly healthy. Um, he was a he, he was a threat in not just the running game, but also in the passing game. Uh, but then his second season, his third season, he only played in about 12 games in, in each of those seasons. And, you know, you clearly saw him. I don't, I, I don't know if he was falling out of favor. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if it was just strictly because of health. But you saw games where the coaches were intentionally not going to him. Was it his fumbling issues at the time? I'm not entirely sure, but. You know, let's really put this into perspective. He's in he's in year four. He's looking for a contract. He understands the assignment. So that just goes to show you when a guy is motivated, they have the talent. They have the wherewithal. They have the capability to get the job done. 
they just need to be motivated. They need to have that focus. And clearly, Miles Sanders didn't have a certain focus in year two and year three. And, I, and I'm not associating that with the health part. That's a separate issue. Um, but Miles this season, he's just let's just call it what it is. He's been running like a bat out of hell, you know, and and he's he's running to the money <laughs> and someone someone's going to pay him. And I'm curious to know, you know, what's your thoughts on, the, you know, on that part of it? Right. Because Howard Roseman doesn't like to commit big money to the running backs. Neither does 80 to 90 percent of the NFL, unless you're a transcendent guy like a Nick Chubb or a Derrick Henry or maybe a Dalvin Cook. You're not really really getting a big long term deal. Right. So what do you think? You know, what are the prospects for Miles Sanders contract in Philadelphia or if not in Philadelphia? You know, where you know, where could he potentially end up? Oh, Jody, you're muted. We lost you. Jody, you're muted. That's a great question, Tone. Um, and we'll probably talk about it more next week because we got 11 days between games. And leading up to this week, all the conversation was, as it should have been, about the trade deadline. They get Quinn. They didn't do anything on the trade deadline day. Uh, so Howie was busy making sure he could get the roster as good as possible before uh, the trade deadline shut shut down any potential moves. Now, Howie, is this is the time of year where he does get into the possibility of extending guys. And oh, by the way, got a lot of work to do with this group. You got a whole bunch of guys on one-year contracts. A lot of one-year deals. Exactly. So the Eagles have been, this has been Howie's modus operandi, and it's a good one. It's worked for him is get the guys locked up before they actually get the free agency. Major ones last year, Mylotta and Maddox and Goddard uh, did a really good job of getting core guys deals done before they got the free agency when the price could go up or down, but you don't want it to go up. And, oh, by the way, I think all three of those guys would have gone up from where Howie got them signed. Um, Yeah, so I don't know where he's going to go. Miles is in that mix. He is for me, at least. I don't know if he is for the Eagles. You're right when you say – Howie has never shown the affinity to pay even top top market dollars. I'm not talking above and beyond free agent dollars, but top of the market dollars for the running back position. I think he's probably going to be more in tune to the defense, the DBs, the linebackers. Got to get all of them. Both safeties are uh, free agents. Uh, Bradbury's a free agent, both linebackers. That's five out of your six starting guys on your defensive backfield that uh, your back seven that you got to try and get signed. Yeah, I think Miles is going to get lost in the mix. Um, not that he doesn't deserve it because you and I just sung his praises on the seasons he's having. Absolutely. But because of the Eagles and the way they are situated right now with as many guys with deals that need to get done, I think Miles is uh, – now, if Miles wants to stay – and the market doesn't blow up and the Eagles can get him back for a dollar figure that they think they're uh, good with. Oh, he could still come back. I think he could become a free agent and then resign with the Eagles. But I don't think he's going to be, he won't He surely as sure as I won't be the guy, but even if like last year, they do a couple of guys, I think he's down the list of uh, guys that are going to get their done deal done ahead of time. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is a fascinating time for the Eagles because they're undefeated. And right now, everyone's stock is up. You know, everyone can kind of write their own ticket right now. And, you know, I, it's hard to imagine Howie Roseman. And I know uh, you and uh, John broached this uh, maybe a few shows ago or maybe throughout, you know, the season. 
you know, it's hard to negotiate guys when, you know, when the leverage is really in their favor with that 8-0 record. You know what I mean? Right. It's, 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 hard, it's hard to, you know, have those kind of contract negotiations. Um, but I think when you think about Miles Sanders and what he has done and how he's being used, you know, Miles Sanders hardly, hardly he hardly eclipses 15 to 18 touches a game, hardly eclipses that. So I think it's going to be important for Miles to pay attention to why he has his why he has his level of success yes he's running harder you know yes he's um taking his game to another level yes he's being more productive in the red zone absolutely but i think it's going to be really imperative for miles to understand what he's been given and that's the number one offensive line in the nfl if you ask me and not many running backs have that level of grace not many have uh, the opportunity to run behind guys like jason kelsey or lane johnson or a lot of uh or dickerson or when, or when we have Brandon Brooks, Isaac Samalu, so on and so forth. So I think if Miles Sanders likes where he is and if the money makes sense, and again, it's always about the guaranteed dollars, right? You know, that's where you, you know, that's where you like players in. Um, if you can guarantee him enough money where he feels like he has enough security, um, enough life, uh, enough life changing money, and you can convince him that, you know, listen, we understand that, you know, you've been productive, but you also have the number one offensive line in the NFL. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, right, Jordan? Here's the reason why I think Miles is down the list because of something you just stated. Howie Roseman and the coaching staff, because I don't think he makes these decisions in a vacuum. I think he's in constant uh, communications and conversations with Sirianni and the entire coaching staff. They probably believe that, yeah, they can plug and play. That if it needs to be Kenny Gainwell, it'll be Kenny Gainwell. If we can't get Miles signed, all right, well, we draft the running back in the fifth round, and he'll come in and we'll be able to incorporate him into the mix. Maybe they even think Trey Sermon was a steal. It's kind of tough to believe since they don't even get him activated, but uh, given an entire uh, training camp, maybe going forward, I think they're going to look at it and go, yeah, you know why Miles is good? because he's running behind our offensive line and everybody who runs behind our offensive line looks good. And we're planning on keeping our offensive line in, in, uh, until we're not going to let any of these guys get away. And if anything, we've got better depth there with young guys who, if we have an injury, we can plug in and uh, not miss as big a beat that, that I think might be the biggest deterrent to miles getting a contract because yeah, their offensive line is just the best in the National Football League, has been for the last two years, continues to be. And if you're projecting, uh, even if Kelsey were to retire at the end of the year, you believe you got jer beef jerky to step in and be able to get the job done. That's why I think Miles is probably not going to get a contract extension. Hey, Jody, let me put it into perspective once again. Last season, Jalen Hurts averaged over, over just over five yards a carry behind his offensive line. Miles Sanders averaged just over five yards a carry behind his offensive line. Jordan Howard averaged almost five yards a carry behind his offensive line. Boston Scott averaged just over four yards a carry. Kenny Gainwell averaged just over four yards a carry. Jason Huntley only played in one game with 13 attempts, but uh, but averaged four yards a carry. So when you put it in it from that perspective, where does Miles Sanders transcend from from a per rush perspective, you you get what I mean? Like the offensive line is clearly able to get at minimum four yards to carry for anybody. And Miles Sanders is only averaging one more yard than that. So where's that threshold? You know what I'm saying? That's that's where the leverage is for Harry Roseman when it comes to Miles Sanders contract negotiations. You know, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on that detail about? On he that is, detail? One thing he has been able to do is he's shown the ability for me 
to uh, break a bigger play every once in a while. It's not just Absolutely. five or six, five, seven, three yards. No, all right, six. No, Miles get you 20 and 25 on a uh, perfectly blocked play, and he makes the right read on the jump cut, and he beats the one tackler. I don't know that any of the other guys you ran down from last year, or most importantly, the two guys who are still here, Gainwell and Scott, have that same ability. So my, there's a reason Miles has many more carries than anybody else over the last two years. He's their best back, and they know he's their best back. Definitely. And John has continued to say that, and he would have a better grasp on this than either you or I, because he's down there all the time. The coaching staff likes Miles Sanders more than the front office does. The front office doesn't dislike Miles, but the coaching staff really appreciates Miles. And as I just said a couple of minutes ago, this is a constant communication between Harry Roseman and Nick Sirianni. Yes, Howie's got final say, Howie's the general manager, Howie is Nick's boss, but I think those two have a very good relationship. And if uh, Nick Sirianni wants uh, Miles Sanders here, then Howie Roseman will probably make a pretty good effort at making that happen. I just think that they've got so much work to do at keeping this team intact during the offseason. I think Miles is probably going to get squeezed, but we shall see. All right, quickie timeout coming, and then we'll get our buddy BLG. That would be Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. He's scheduled to jump on board next here on Birds 365. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pondley Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pondley Hockey Post Game Show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pondley Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Welcome to Pondley Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. And Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. 
born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Stepping in for Johnny Mac. Help us round out the show today and another uh, great contributor here on Birds 365. Our pal from uh, Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton, jumping in for the final hour. Uh, BLG, I want to go here before we go to the game and the 8 0 record the Eagles have put together, uh, just because Tony and I were talking about it before you came on. Eagles have a lot of guys whose contracts are up at the end of the season. And Howie Roseman has a uh, proven and almost stellar track record of getting some guys done ahead of time so they don't get the free agency. There's about seven or eight guys that are key players on this team whose contracts are up at the end of this year and could potentially be free agents. Where does Howie prioritize? What do you, what do you, what, give me the top two guys that you think have a chance to get their contract done between now and the end of the season before they get the free agency. Yeah, it's possible. You know, we've seen that happen before. You think back to 2017, you know, they they had signed that one-year deal uh, with Alshon Jeffrey, and then during the season, they signed him to an extension. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Tim Jernigan, same thing. Uh, you know, they traded for him and then gave him an extension. So certainly there's a precedent for the Eagles doing that. Obviously, the downside is like, okay, they could get hurt in the second half of the season, and then that's not great. Um, but that's also where uh, you're assuming some risk, so the price might be a little better than it is still waiting to the offseason. So, um, you know, I think Chauncey Garner-Johnson is certainly a strong candidate, <laughs> a guy who leads the NFL in interceptions after having that big pick, especially in the Texans game last night. And then another guy, why not ride the hot hand here, um, who's a bit older, and it's a bit curious how they let him get to this point um, where he will kind of be in a free agent after this year, but Javon Hargrave. Um, who I think is heating up at the right time. Uh, so, so maybe those two guys I, I think would be the top two right now. It's it's, it's so fascinating, BLG. Uh, and again, appreciate you for coming on to the show as always. It's so fascinating. You know, you know, we're talking about guys who could potentially get their contracts, but I kind of want to shift it a little bit to guys who have already gotten their money. And we we're not really seeing what we thought we would see. In my humble opinion, and, and I want to know if you can provide some clarity on that for me. Uh, a guy in particular that I continue to scratch my head about is Josh Sweat. Hmm. Josh Sweat got his money, and he had a career year the year he got it. You know, granted, a career year by his standards, but, you know, we expected near to double-digit sack seasons from Josh Sweat. Uh, we didn't get it last season, which is fine, but so far, he just seems like he's disappearing on the defensive line time and time again, and I'm having a hard time trying to justify that contract. Um, is there... You know, what are you seeing? Um, what am I not seeing? Um, is the contract justified? Uh, you know, where do you think he needs to improve or does he need to improve at all? Yeah, I think the Pro Bowl uh, inclusion for him last year is a bit generous. I know he made it as an alternate. But <laughs> if you look at just from a number standpoint, like I don't think he was one of the very best defensive ends in the NFC last year. I think heading into December, 
Um, he had like three or three and a half sacks. Uh, he kind of he boosted his stats there at the end with uh, some performances against like the Giants and Washington, and both of those teams were putting they're playing like their backup uh, tackles uh, that he was going up against. I think Joshua is a is a nice player, um, but to your point here, I mean he doesn't have a sack, and he only has three quarterback hits combined in his last five games. Um, so yeah, that's not the kind of production you're looking for uh, with the money he has. Um, I think he's talented, but you know, again, the production has to be there and it hasn't been recently. Um, so, uh, I, you know, you would like to see that you would like to see an uptick there. BLG, I'm going to go ahead and say this and, uh, risk the wrath of the streamers here, uh, Uh-oh. because it's not going to be a, <laughs> uh, a pro ego. It's a hypothetical and mm. I'm uh, well on the record looking right into the camera. I'm not suggesting that I think this is going to happen. I'm only putting it out there as a potential concern because if it happens, it could derail legal season. Nick Sirianni has so much confidence in fourth and one Jalen Hurts sneaks. He does it on the extra point last night, which he really didn't need to do. What's Mm. the difference between being up 11 and 12? Uh, Kick the PAT, but he knows that he can get Jalen Hurts in a yard. And then in the fourth quarter, the, the last possession, yeah, chances are the game's over and done with, and it's certainly over and done with if you get that last yard. But why even open the door a crack? He goes to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts gets pushed by Dallas Goddard to head. They give him a good spot by the referee, and the game's over and done. I'm sure that part of the reason that the coach does it as often as he does and has as much confidence in, in it that he does is because Jalen Hurts is one strong MF. Um <laughs> But if Jalen Hurts ever gets hurt on one of those plays and Dallas Goddard comes up from behind and just hits him at the wrong spot in the back to push him forward, Nick Sirianni is opening up himself to get absolutely crucified. Am I just uh, looking for the, 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 the black lining in a very silver <laughs> cloud here? Or uh, is this something that someone should go, you know, Nick, we can't afford to lose Jalen Hurts here, and you are putting him a little bit at risk when you're throwing him into the pile of humanity, throwing 5,000 pounds in the middle there, pounding on top of him and trying to stop him. Uh, am I just an idiot or what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd call you an idiot, Jody, but I do think, you know, I think it's easy to take for granted how good the Eagles have been in short yardage. You know, there's a lot of teams out there who aren't this good. Um, so when you have something that works for you like this, I think you have to go with it. Obviously, yes, there is some level of risk, um, but I think you know more often than not, uh, on the whole, worth it. Um, I, I do like the Eagles going for it there. It's only a yard. If, if we're all going to talk about constantly how the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in football, it drives me nuts when um, like people kind of question the decision to go for it. It's like, okay, if you have a really good offensive line, then they should be able to win. And you have a quarterback who can run with power and, and is, is super strong, and we talk about that all the time too, about how Jalen Hurts is, what like deadlifting 500 pounds or whatever then they should be able to get it um so and also just i I think there's something to the mentality that that builds um it's first of all for the players i think it's empowering when nick sirianni is the head coach like shows that he trusts these guys i think there's something to that i think we saw that a lot with doug peterson in the past and part of why that 2017 team was so good and that's something players talked about is that they didn't want to let the coach down because they they felt like the coach believed in them and also, there's something to the mentality of like, hey, we're going to get this. We're better than you. 
Um, and I and the Eagles are better than the their opponents mm-hmm. and have been all year. So uh, I like it per- personally. Just to sprinkle a little uh, pepper onto or a little seasoning onto what Jody's saying, uh, the Eagles are twelve for sixteen on all their fourth down conversions this year. That's seventy five percent. So that's a that's a pretty good number. Pretty and pretty I like damn good. Exactly I li- right. I like the, I like those odds, right? But you know. Jalen Hurd, you mentioned he runs with power and, you know, he's a dual threat guy and, you know, you're able to he's able to execute your offense in unique ways. You know, what I'm what I love about this guy right now is that you're clearly seeing him trying to transition into being a thrower of the ball. And last game, he only ran the ball twice. This game, he ran it nine times, but it was purely purely out of necessity and i and, and i think that's where he's beginning to transition to um it's and i, and I don't want to speak too soon but i'm thinking about russell wilson where he started to transition into running on a as need basis but i personally believe russell wilson has gotten a little bit too far away from his dual threat ability mm-hmm. i think jalen hurts the way he plays the game i don't think that's ever going to leave him because he truly understands his his one of his biggest assets what's your thoughts on jalen hurts growth as a quarterback uh, in the pocket and just how he's been able to execute this offense because in my opinion it's a high level offense people don't like to give it credit because it's rpo but it takes a lot of execution and decision making to execute this offense yeah i think it's it's a great point by you i mean i think week one you know there's a lot of talk about how oh, jalen hurts you know he was a big reason why they beat the lions and he was but i think how he beat them like i, I wanted to see more you know like, i already know he can run the football that's great and all um but you're not going to be able to necessarily just do that week in and week out and win that way. Um, certainly it can be useful at the right times, but over the course of a longer sample size, you want to see him win with his arm. And that's exactly what he's really done for most of the season. Um, but especially recently where he has eight touchdowns, zero interceptions the past three games here. Um, as you mentioned, he's only run 20 times total. Um, and that's, that's, you know, that's big. He ran 17 times alone in week one. So uh, I think it's great to see him transition like that. I think you're seeing the progress that he's made as a passer. You're seeing a franchise quarterback. This is, that's exactly what um, you wanted to see from the Eagles this year. Obviously winning games is, is fantastic and all, but how they're doing it is important. They're doing it in a sustainable way with a quarterback who can win with his arm now and doesn't really put the ball in harm's way. I know there was the fumbles last night, but as a passer, he certainly did not make very many bad throws at all. Um, and, and for those, you know, plays I just mentioned about, you know, fumbling and whatnot, that hasn't really been characteristic of him. Certainly right. not as much as Carson Wentz is just by, you know, comparison to the former quarterback here. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think it's very encouraging for this team's outlook. Real quick, Jordan, I want to throw this in really quickly. Then I'll let you go. He's completing 68% of his passes this season. Mm-hmm. That is, Jump from 61 to 68. I don't know, man. I haven't seen anything like it. Agreed. Uh, Jalen's taking a major step forward, but you did touch on the fumbles. And how how great is Kelsey downfield recovering a fumble 12 yards past the line of scrimmage? Uh, But he coughed the one up in the backfield, which, oh, by the way, never saw the guy coming from behind. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, uh, BLG. Jordan Mailata had a mm. actually pretty bad game last night. He got beat several times, right? Almost got the quarterback killed and certainly caused a turnover because he wasn't close to uh, being able to stop his guy. And he just got the uh, uh, Jerry uses a 30 some old year old uh, defensive line who sprinted by him. That's not a good sign. And I'm not saying Jordan is, is done or anything. Else. He had a bad game last night. Still hurts. Uh, should they do something to get him off his feet a little bit, maybe give him some more downtime? 
John uh, McMullen said now in number one, he thinks that Jordan isn't uh, playing it anywhere near 100%. Um, after watching that game last night, Eagles do anything other than say, Jordan, come on, let's go. We'll get him again next week. Yeah, I mean, I think the the mini buy here after playing on Thursday will maybe help him out a little bit. Uh, I do think there is something to him not playing at 100%. Obviously, he got hurt uh, in trying to uh, chase down the Jags on that um, interception by Jalen Hurts earlier this season. So I definitely think there's something to that. Uh, I think there's also something to maybe Jerry Hughes wasn't the best um, matchup for Jordan Mailata in the sense that Jordan Mailata has typically kind of struggled more against speed guys than like, you know, more of a power rusher. So that's kind of his weak point. Um, that's why once upon a time, Joe Osman was roasting Jordan Mailata in practice because he was smaller and he kind of had that speed advantage. Um, so I definitely think that's kind of a, you know, just, it's just not always his strength. Some, some of those guys can beat him like that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of disappointing to see. Uh, you'd like to see more uh, consistency from Mailata and more of a leap as, you know, he's ideally trying to you know, transition to one of the better tackles in the NFL. But I don't think we've seen that fully this season, the injury playing a role. Um, but, yeah, kind of disappointing to see. And, you know, that was a crucial <laughs> drive last night where he gives up two sacks like that so quickly. So, uh, yeah, not great. I want to talk about the other Jordan, and that's uh, Jordan Davis. You know, I'm watching this game last night, uh, BLG, and instantly I saw that they were missing this young man. You know, a lot of people kind of get on Jordan Davis for not playing enough. Um, they get on him by his conditioning. But one thing you can't deny is that man's athleticism and his ability to take up space and take up blockers and create lanes, create space for his linebackers to get in and defend the run. What was your thoughts on the overall Eagles run defense? And what's your thoughts on the overall impact or the repercussions of not having a guy like Jordan Davis? Because just to add a little bit more season into this, they have Jonathan Taylor coming up, Antonio Gibson coming up, uh, Saquon Barkley coming up, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones. They have something. This is probably the hardest stretch of running backs that they're going to have to go up against. So what's your thoughts on overall run defense? And then also Jordan Davis, like how do they how do they remedy this situation? Yeah, certainly not a well-timed injury for the Eagles there. Um, not that there's, that there's necessarily ever a great time for injury, <laughs> but uh, it's a big deal. And I don't think it's a you don't you can't just give the defense and Jonathan Gannon a pass because they lose one player. I mean, there's plenty of defenses out there that are losing you know multiple key players. You have to find a way to you know fix fix this, find a solution, and get creative. Or it seemed like the Eagles kind of wanted to just play how they played and plug like Marvin Wilson or Marlon uh, Marvin Wilson or, or Marlon Tui Pelotu in the middle of the defense in that Jordan Davis role. And I think we we saw that wasn't just an easy one-for-one swap there. So I think Jonathan Gannon might need to adjust and find ways around that. Um, You know, that's up to him. That's that's what he gets paid to do is to adjust and figure things out. It can't just be that, okay, we have really talented players and that's going to be good enough. No, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to maximize the talent you're given with. And I think it's hard to say the Eagles did that. Uh, in their first game without Jordan Davis this season, specifically when it came to stopping the run. I mean, Damian Pierce is a good player. You have to give him some level of credit for sure. Um, but I, I don't think the run defense should have been as bad as it was last night. It's not like they needed to you know, keep him to two yards per carry or something ridiculous, but they should have been a little bit more respectable than they were against the run um, with Davis, or sorry, Pierce going for 27 for 139, 5.1 uh, yards per carry. Um, at a long of 36, there were just times where it looked like uh, it was too easy 
for the Texans. And I think that needs to be an adjustment. Obviously, um, the Eagles aren't a good tackling team. So that's part of the issue too. I know they lead the NFL in terms of uh, yards after contact per, uh, per attempt. Um, so that's an issue. And maybe, or I would think it would be even a bigger issue when you're playing on a Thursday night on short rest. If you're not already a good tackling team, you're probably not going to be great on short rest when guys are tired. Um, so maybe that's something that can kind of get cleaned up moving forward. Um, but certainly those are some of the biggest issues with the roster right now. You, you beat me to my point. I was going to say, if they could have tackled last night, it might not have been as big a deal against the run, specifically the back seven. I, I the yeah, I think the defensive line was affected by Davis not being in there, and uh, guys were held up a little bit. But if they tackled at the point of contact with the linebackers, and certainly in the secondary, is a terrible tackling game for the secondary. They'd be just fine. Now they've got guys back there. Bradbury picks off a pass, although mm-hmm. the quarterback kind of threw it right to him. <laughs> Chauncey Gardner picked off a pass, only the quarterback kind of right threw it right to him. Neither one of them were outstanding defensive pass plays, but they were mm, I think they, the CJGJ catch was pretty good. That was an impressive catch. The catch itself, yeah. yes. But yeah. again, it wasn't in defense of a wide receiver. It was right. a terrible throw by Davis Mills, but a very athletic catch. You're right. Yeah. Um, that was created by pressure from Brandon Graham. Yeah, true. True. Give uh, BG some credit on that. Um, can you coach that up? Can you just get them aside? Listen, we love INTs. We're not telling you to stop INT, but we need to concentrate more on tackling. Finish, wrap up, get these guys to their ground. Can that be done uh, something that can be done in coaching over the next month with Jordan Davis out where they need the D-backs to tackle that much more? Yeah, I mean, I think to the interception point, some of that, you know, is is because of how they play. That's like the benefit maybe of playing off sometimes and, you know, the, the defense that they do. So the, we've talked about this before. I think it's been brought up a lot how the cornerbacks can have eyes on the ball as opposed to pressing and, you know, playing super tight and not necessarily always knowing where the ball is coming. So there's some kind of trade-off there. When it comes to the tackling part, though, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think some of that this is just who these players are. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who, again, had the, had the very – athletic and good catches on the pick he also had that really bad i don't even know what he, he just tried to shove damian pierce to the ground while he's standing up like that's just not even a tackle <laughs> attempt there's no no attempt to wrap up at all um not even put a big hit on him just push him uh like almost if he was uh along the sideline and trying to get him out of bounds except he wasn't he was <laughs> like the hash mark so um definitely that's just some of what the players are and again i think some of it might be a little bit better if they're not on a short week, if they're not traveling on the road. If you're already not a good tackling team, that's not going to help it any better when guys are sore and tired like that. So uh, maybe having some more energy and rest will will improve things a bit. Um, but certainly it's something that they need to keep hammering there. They, they need to tackle better. Um, maybe more, you know, just <laughs> rally bodies, more gang tackling, if that's what it has to be. Um, it's certainly something they need to clean up. I have uh, one more question about the defense. Um you know, I've been really curious about this pass rush. And in my opinion, and I'm really curious to see, you know, I'm really curious to see what you're seeing as well. This four-man pass rush, in my humble opinion, hasn't been as effective as I would like it to be. And it seems like most of the sacks come with five-man fronts um, because you're putting guys in a lot more one-on-one situations. But there's a lot of money on that defensive line and there's a lot of talent more than anything. I personally feel like there's too much talent on his defensive line for them to be not as effective with just rushing four guys. Now, my, I guess my question to you is, 
is that on the players? Is that that is there? Is that is it their lack of execution? Is it the coaches? Is it the mentality that they're being instilled with by Tracy Rocker and Jonathan Gannon? You know, what say you? I would push back a little bit on you know the pass rush. You know, being um, I don't know if you said disappointing, but like maybe not being exactly what you want. Um, I don't know where the number is at right now after last night's game, but I know entering uh, last night, the Eagles had the most sacks they've had. I think with twenty three. Uh, through seven games since 2009, you know, so they're like at a, from a historical wow. clip, they're they're at a good rate here. Um, that's not to say I think you know, okay, they they could be doing a bit better, sure. Um, but I I do think you're seeing improvement. Javon Hargrave is heating up, and that's a big deal. I think he's a player who's kind of been streaky, and I think part of that's been through uh, due to injury with him in the past. Um, he said last night that uh, the bye week really helped him, and sure enough, you know, he he lit it up against the Steelers. Now he had this big game against the Texans. So if he's coming on here, you know, I think that's a really big deal, especially with Jordan Davis out um, to be able to generate that kind of pressure. So, uh, you know, I, and, I, and I think Robert Quinn, uh, as he gets more used to playing in this defense, I think that's a big deal. And even with him um, maybe not being what he used to be, you know, one of those Javon Hargrave sacks last night was potentially made possible by uh, Robert Quinn, who kind of drew a double team at the first there and allowed Harvard Grave to get a one-on-one matchup and take advantage of that. So um, I'm not really too worried about the pass rush. Uh, and it, it, Brandon Graham, as we also mentioned here, forced an interception last night. So uh, I, I think those guys can figure it out. I think Quinn might be a little bit better too as he gets more adjusted to this defense. No, I thought Fair the enough. pass rush was fine. Uh, the point Tone made earlier but. Josh Sweat not being the guy cashing in those pass rushing chips is mm-hmm. legit, but just sure. overall, I think uh, the Eagles' pass rush has been been fine. Um, quickie quiz, I got a couple more for you. Who had the best pass defense last night? Hmm. Uh, uh, individual play. <laughs> oh, individual player. Individual player pass defended. Who had the best on the Eagles? Uh, is this well, was this a trick question or is this? Oh no, serious <laughs> question. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, Darius Slade, did he allow a catch last nope. night? I... He did? No, I'm just saying he was, he didn't have the best pass defense last night. Wasn't oh, Darius Slade. It sounds rhetorical. That's what you're talking about. What's that? <laughs> are, you, are you trying to get me to say Hassan Reddick? Yeah, so that's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to get you to yeah. say. Okay. Mr. Overhang, who can't play yeah. linebacker and was misused by the Arizona Cardinals because they played him at linebacker, made a hell of a play on a pass defense last night. Yeah, right before the uh, the James Bradbury interception too, right? I mean, to, or, or right, I think right before the, the Hargrave sack. The Hargrave sack um, uh, that set the Texans up into third and 19, and then there was the pick from there. But yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's a result. Uh, or that's a play where I think you like the result. But I don't think you still love the process. Uh, I mean, I that's love nice. the process because I love the result. Put on a song, Reddick. I mean, good it. for him. Good for him. But like, you know, I don't want to see him doing that a ton. I mean, it, great, great job, great play by him. But I like, don't yeah. want him in coverage every yeah. other play. You're right. Yeah. But once in a blue moon, sure. and yeah, that's why I don't think Davis Mills was ready for that because he didn't believe that one of the overhang players, the defensive <laughs> end, basically was going to be out there being able to swat that ball down the way. Sure. Man. Sometimes the destination is more appealing than the journey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the way it played. All right, uh, we got 11 days before the Eagles get back out onto the field, and it's the commanders coming to town, the Taylor Heineke-led commanders mm. coming to town. We know they beat them uh, easily early in the season with Carson Wentz having a typical Carson day. 
going down way too easy and way too often. And I'm not trying to take credit away from the Eagles defensive line that day because they were great. Um, Taylor Heineke, give you a moment to pause at least for this next game? Or should we just move ahead 12 days and go, now we can talk about the 9-0 Eagles? Uh, I mean, I, I think Taylor Heineke is certainly more threatening from Carson Wentz from a standpoint of with Wentz. And this is what I said going into that week three game. You know the mistake is going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. He's going to fumble. He always does it. So you're kind of just waiting for that bad thing to happen. Or with Heineke, uh, he certainly has his limitations. But I feel like his teammates believe and he believes and the coaching staff believes that you enter a game with a puncher's chance with him. Um, you're probably going to be the underdog, but maybe he can kind of just do just enough to kind of give you a chance. He has he plays with some moxie. I think there is something to that. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm not really buying the commanders are back uh, just because they won their last two games here. Um, and I know getting Chase Young back is a big deal, so I'm not going to d- downplay that part of it. But um, from a standpoint of their last two performances, you know, they beat the Packers, but the Packers are in a, in a very bad shape right now. Um, and they do not look right at all. I think that I think that kind of that loss speaks more about the Packers than it does about the Commanders being great. And also the same thing for the Colts. I mean, the Colts had a lead in that game until the end. Um, they blew it. And I think that kind of speaks to where the Colts are right now. So credit to the Commanders for taking advantage of those bad and, and struggling teams. But I also think they're not very good. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm not really too scared of them. Uh, I think the Eagles will clearly be big favorites in that one uh, at home in Philly and Monday Night Football. And I fully expect them to win. They're double-digit favorites, uh, I'm sure, by the time the game rolls around. All right, but last thing, I was going to wrap up there. Did you have a slip of the tongue, or was that one of the greatest football turns of phrases I've ever heard? I asked you about the commanders, and you said, well, they have a punter's chance. I've always (laughs) said puncher's chance. You said punter's (laughs) chance, and I'm going, damn, no, he misspoke. Oh, no, that works, too. Damn, I've never heard anybody say that. That That's great. Which was it? <laughs> well, I mean, they do have the – didn't they have, like, the NFC Special Teams Player of the Month or whatever, too? Uh, Tress Way uh, is a really good punter. He's, like, one of the best punters in the NFL. It's one of the best things Washington is go. going for them. So, uh, maybe I did say it on purpose. <laughs> or was it a Freudian slip is what I'm, I guess yeah, I'm there you that, go. But I there loved it. Go. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that, PLG, <laughs> if that's okay with you. Sure, go ahead. Dropping uh, knowledge on us as he always does. Uh, BLG, thank you for coming on. We'll get you on in a couple of weeks. Hopefully the Eagles are still undefeated when we get you back on. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Brendan Lee Gatton here with us on Birds 365. Did you pick up on that? That he said punter's chance? That went by me. I'll be honest because I I, I heard it as puncher's chance. That's what I'm saying. You heard punchers. Right. That's what I heard it as. But, but, All right. well, but did, he, we'll, did he say punter's chance? Because I've never heard that before. Well, we'll now this is risque business. Uh, we can go to the stream and see what anybody who is listening <laughs> actually heard. I swore he said they got a punter's chance rather than puncher's chance. Because that's the phrase. That's where you always, oh, puncher's chance. Means you're not supposed to win, but you never know. That one lucky punch, boom, you end up winning. I heard punter's. And I thought it was great. I will use that for future. Now, you can't can't use that when you're doing a basketball reference or a a baseball reference. Uh, No, this is purely a gridiron reference. But I like it. I thought I heard punters. Maybe maybe I need to clean my ears out. I'm Johnny McDonald. He is my man, Tone, filling in for Johnny Mac today. We'll come back. Tone, what are we going to do next? 
Hey, listen, you know what we got to do, Joe? We got to put that bow on the show. There you go. Hey, if I can steal from BM BLG, I will allow you to borrow from me. Coming uh, back, putting a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pond Lee Hockey postgame show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pond Lee Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Maybe sitting at the gate waiting to get on his plane and come back here. Um, but I do want to uh, go full circle from where we started the show. And Johnny Mac was there last night. I, I watched it on uh, video tape, DVRing at 1.30 in the morning, as a matter of fact, after I got back from that Phillies launch at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, and, yeah, I was specifically wanted to see from the top what the crowd was like, um, how big a – part the Eagles fanship played in Houston last night because they are unbelievable. The traveling Eagle fan base is off the charts good. John used the word takeover, which again, maybe we have different definitions. Takeover means that 
you you have more uh, fans in the stands than the other team. I don't believe that was the case. But those that were there were prepped and loud. Those that were there rooting for the Texans were not all that motivated because their team was 1-5-1 coming in, and they're 1-6-1 going out. But I do believe there were more Texan fans because when Pierce started ripping off some of those 30-yard runs, well, you they were loud in there. They, they were there. Yeah, they <laughs> were. But again, kudos to the Eagle fans who travel better, maybe uh, certainly as good, and maybe better than every other team in the National Football League. And it, they sounded uh, pretty damn loud in Houston last night. So if you're sitting with Johnny Mack in the terminal waiting to get your plane back there to Philly, tip of the cap to you guys. Uh, they come home next week against the uh, Commanders, and there ain't no tone. And the who Phillies will be completely out of everybody's mind. Either well, I shouldn't say that because they could no, because it's eleven days down the road. Even if the Phillies win the next two games, the, the parade will have come and gone. So all the attention will have turned to the eight no Philadelphia Eagles when next they play against Washington. Any chance this team gets a little full of itself at eight no and uh that that we're doing a birds three sixty five, not this upcoming Monday, but the Monday thereafter going. Yeah, what happened? You know. I think about that often, but then I think about who the quarterback is. And mm-hmm. I think about the fact that they had they still have a handful of veterans from that Super Bowl team. You couple you couple all that together. And I just don't I don't see those guys, those leaders, allowing this team to get too ahead of themselves. Like Jalen Hurts always says in his post-game uh speeches, you know, with the team. You know, he always lets them know, hey, look, there's plenty more to do. Plenty more to get done. Plenty more to learn. But let's have some fun while let's have some fun tonight and leave it and leave it in tonight. You know, Jalen Hurts has a very very underappreciated ability of short term memory. You know, he he stays in the moment. He doesn't get too ahead of himself. He doesn't focus on what was. He doesn't focus on what it could be. He focuses on what it is. And I think that's something that you that that really needs to be valued. You know, this guy Jalen Hurts, man, he's. He's something that this city hasn't felt in a long time, just from a leadership perspective. And now it's starting to translate on the field from a production perspective. The kid's only 24 years old. So if he can continue on this trajectory, right now he's at a point in his career where the team is helping elevate his game. I'm really excited to see where he gets in his career, where he's able to elevate guys because of his experience, because of his leadership, because of the increased um, reps and just – Overall, just being a better player and being more familiar in the offense, Jody. And, oh, by the way, it's a good point you make because he's even got experience at that. Because when he was at Alabama, they're running everybody off the field, undefeated national championship slash Super Bowl when you get to the NFL. That's what you're talking about. Oh, he's dealt with all these conversations. He's been here before. He's been the man and the quarterback of a team who's supposed to not lose a game, just continue to win week after week after week and hoist the trophy at the end of the year. So even as young as he is, he's actually been there and done that with his college experience. Uh, So that's an excellent point out of you. Quickly, he he knows what it's like to be the bell of the ball. He knows what it's like to be the afterthought. So he, he he's, he's he's experienced both sides of the spectrum. He understands that just as quickly as you can have it, you can lose it. He did. And Tua Tungavaloa came off the bench to win a national championship. Jalen, if you're worried, don't sweat it. Gardner Minshew is not <laughs> coming in to replace you at any time this year. Only because you're hurt 
or because the Eagles are up by too many points and they don't want to get they've dodged getting you hurt and they want to make sure it stays that way. He doesn't doesn't have to sweat that one here in Philadelphia this year. All right. And oh, by the way, if you believe our streamers, more of them heard punters chance. Than punchers. All right, cool, so cool. You're, cool. you're the one who has to get your hearing checked there. <laughs> right, I got to, right, these, these, these things work too well. <laughs> get, get, get those headsets looked at. All right, uh, good job out of you. Thank you very much for hopping in with Johnny Mac. Is Saratella up next or is he uh, out again? Uh, Saratella is still going through some, uh, you know, some um, familial uh, situation. So he's going to um, not be in today. Not a problem. Uh, then you have a good rest of your day and the rest of your weekend. I'm going to be here at Monday. Monday. McMullen says he's going to be here at Monday. You going to be here Monday, Tone? Jody, I wouldn't miss it for the world, Mac man. Then uh, the three of us will be back come Monday in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.